And I titled today's sermon, Warnings for the Complacent Church. I'll give you a little overview of Amos. I know there's a lot of, a lot of writing right here and a lot going on. But just a real quick overview. Um, you have it sort of starts off in chapters 1 and 2, where he, he names eight places that are going to be judged. Eight places. Now, if you notice, all but the last two are really foreign nations. Those are foreign nations, and then the last two is Judah and Israel. Now, he does like a quick reprimand in two chapters. It's just a quick reprimand of all those. But then in chapters 3 through 6, he gives five sermons. He really focuses on Judah and Israel. And then in chapter 7, he has uh, some visions, and he's sort of laying out, hey, this is some judgment that could happen to you. And then we have, at the very end, you have three promises. And the three promises are, I will destroy the sinful kingdom, I will raise David's fallen booth, and I will restore the promise. Sort of ends in a positive note there. But what I want to go to, first of all, is Amos 3.2. Amos 3.2, it says, Only you have I known from all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Here is when he's talking to Israel. And what he's telling them is, you're special to me. Of all the people in the world, I chose you. I chose you. And how do they respond? They sort of turn their back on God. So God says, I have a special judgment for you. These other nations are going to be judged, but actually for you, I had more expectation for. I had a personal relationship with you. I called you out. I provided for you. I protected you. I blessed you. I, I bonded with you. I gave you direction in all areas. I just tried to give it all to you. But you turn your back on me. You know, as you read through the Old Testament and even the New Testament, one of the purposes of Israel was to be a light to the world. They had a great calling. And they were given great responsibility. But when they failed in those areas, we've got to understand that there are great consequences. No other nation was treated like Israel. He expected and actually demanded that they be obedient and that they have understanding and a relationship with Him. I think the same can be said of the church today. I think we've received a great calling. We have been given a responsibility. Just like Jesus, what did Jesus tell his disciples? Gave them the great commission. Go out. Tell others about me. Tell them the good news. That's our responsibility as well. Great calling, great responsibility. But what happens when we're not obedient to God? What happens when we don't do what God tells us to do? It's amazing. We can come up with excuses all the time. If you ever work with kids, and I don't know, maybe it's this day and age, but everybody's got an excuse. I remember growing up, my, uh, my dad was, or my, or my parents, like they never took it. Excuses. It didn't matter. If something, if you were told to do something and you didn't do it, you just got punished. They didn't care. Actually, they never asked why. They said, come here. 
it's time for you to get punished. But, 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 I don't want that. Panic, but still get punished because can't have excuses. But I think we think when we stand before God that we can give him excuses. We, we'll, we'll come up with this. And I know because I think these things all the time. Well, that's somebody else's job. I'm not gifted in that area. I can't go out and save the world. I can't go out and be a missionary. That's not for me. That's for somebody else. I can't be an evangelist or, or a preacher or, or, or something along those lines. That's for somebody else. I can't be a Sunday school teacher. I can't be a deacon. I can't be a worship leader. I can't do those things. That's for somebody else. I don't feel comfortable doing those things. I don't feel comfortable talking to others about Jesus. We're not supposed to talk about religion. Who told you that? You got that from the world. You didn't get that from God. God will probably tell you the opposite, right? I think he tells us the opposite. Go out and tell others. Yeah, but they don't, they don't want to hear. You tell them anyway, and then if they don't want to hear, you move on to the next person, and the next person, and the next person. We have a responsibility, and it is a great responsibility. And I would dare say, not only do we have the responsibility to go out and do good and tell others about Jesus, but we also have a responsibility, sort of what we were talking about last week, of standing against evil. If we, as Christians, people that call ourselves Christians, as if we are not going to stand for Christian morality, who is? Do you expect the atheist to stand for Christian morality? I think sometimes we do. Well, somebody else has got to do it. No, there is no excuses. I think the church has a great call and we have a great responsibility. And therefore, if we're not doing the job that we're supposed to be doing, there's going to be great consequences. There will be great consequences. And I said as a church, I dare say as our nation as well. I believe America is probably going to be held to a little bit higher standard than, say, a communist country like China. You live in China, you don't have a lot of freedom, especially if you're a Christian. Yeah, you can be a Christian and you can worship their way, but if you go outside those lines and you try to worship God his way and tell others about Jesus, you quickly find that you, you get in trouble. If you try to do anything that opposes the government, you quickly find you get in trouble. A little scary. It seems like that's what's happening in America too. But it hasn't always been the case. We have freedom here. We still have freedom here. And we have such an impact on the rest of the world. Nobody has sent out more missionaries, Christian missionaries, to the world than America. We have been a great light. And I think our country was given a great calling, and we had a great responsibility. And for most of our existence, we were living up to it. We would go around the world, we would defeat evil, we would promote good, we would feed the poor in our country, we would feed the poor in other countries, we would do what was right and good and wholesome. But now things are changing. I believe things are changing because our society is changing because our church is changing. I believe it all starts with the church. When, uh, even when God gives his judgment on people, he says, 
We're going to start in the house of the Lord first because that's who's going to be held responsible. If America continues its downward spiral, it's not a politician's fault. It's not the voters' fault. It's the church's responsibility. We're going to look at Amos 6.1. And you could go through and you could look at all the the woes, and, and you can see all the, the reasons for the judgment that God gives them. But this one particular one sort of stuck out to me, and this is where I want to really focus on today. Amos 6, 1, it says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. What does it mean to be complacent? There's a definition, a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger or defect or the like. Self-satisfaction. What does it look like to be complacent? I think when I hear the word complacent, I think of security. We feel safe. Safe in our little bubble, and we just stay there because we feel safe. I think when you're complacent, things around you don't bother you as much, or at least they don't bother you enough for you to act. You may see it, you may not like it, but you don't do much about it because you're complacent. Or another sign of complacency is when we're not aggressive and doing good. We're not out doing good. We're not out doing the things maybe God wants us to do because we're in our safe bubble. We're in our comfort zone. And we want to stay, stay there. Fellas, this is a, a visual that may help you out a little bit. Complacency. In this picture, which one of these animals are complacent? It's the gazelle, right? Which one's in the most danger? The gazelle. When I saw this picture, it really made me think of where we're at today in our country. I feel like the good people, maybe we're the gazelle, we're just doing our thing. We have water to drink. Our needs are met. We're satisfied. We're comfortable. We're content. We're complacent. My life is good. Everything's good. And you think that gazelle knows the lion's there? He probably knows the lion's there, but guess what? He doesn't view the lion as a threat. I'm good. I'm in my own bubble. He's in his bubble. If it is a he, I guess it's a she. She's in her bubble. Um, I'm good. I don't really care what the lion's doing. I'm content. I'm satisfied with what I'm doing. And I feel like we've been, as a church, we've been complacent. As Christians, we've been complacent. It's almost like we have our, our head in the sand, not aware of what's going on around us. And maybe some of us have been aware. But we haven't been motivated enough to do something about it. I'm almost 50 years old. Sounds old. Been on the earth for 50 years. I like talking to... Um, older people and get their view of life because they've seen so much. It's like, wow, I study history. You were alive when this happened. Or you, at least you were older enough, maybe you were old enough to know, to experience in a different way. What was it like? What did you experience from your perspective? 
during maybe this war, this conflict, or this tragedy for our nation, or uh, things like that. It's very interesting. But I look at my life, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old, and it turns out that as I'm racking up the years, I tell my kids all the time, well, when I was a kid, well, when I was a kid, things were a lot different. I've seen the progression, talk about immorality or so forth, I've seen the progression take place. I remember when I was in fourth grade, I think they'd already passed a law of not having prayer in school, but I went to a school in a small town in North Carolina, and I remember still praying in first, second, I think third, and maybe even fourth grade. We prayed. We got in a circle before in public school, got in a circle before we went to lunch, held hands and prayed before we went to lunch. That is unheard of today. A teacher would get fired, maybe even sued. And I, I say that because, okay, that's happened in my lifetime. I think they took out the Ten Commandments and ruled on it in 1980. Well, I was probably about 10. Saw that. I remember when that happened. So I look at my life, and I've been seeing a lot of things happen. And then I say, well, how did we let it happen? And then I look at my actions and I realize, hmm, I didn't do much to try and stop it. I didn't raise a fuss. I didn't get the word out. Well, there's nothing I can do. I was just a young person. I was just a teenager. Or I was just a college student. We come up with excuses all the time, but the, the fact that the matter remains, we didn't do anything to fight the evil. I didn't do anything to fight the evil that was, that's happened in my lifetime. Like at Gazelle, I'm just... I'm good doing my own thing. I'm worried about my own life, meeting my own needs. That's got to change. If that doesn't change, if our actions don't change, then the results are just going to keep getting worse. We talk to young people about how, hey, it was so much different when I was a kid. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Well, I wish the young people would just look at us in the face and say, yeah, and it's your fault. You let it happen. Because it's true. It is true, but they were complacent, but they were also still religious. Uh, verse in 5, 21 and uh, 22 and 23. This is God telling them, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me bird offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring tourist offerings, tourist fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. That's very interesting because where did they get the religious festivals anyway? God told them. These are festivals I want you to celebrate. Where they come up with the idea of the burnt offerings and the great offerings. These are things that God told them to do. And God's telling them here, do these things I told you to do, and I'm not going to take it. Does it make sense? It does because we know they were just going through the motions. They were just being religious. So they could, they'd have their maybe head in the sand a little bit. They were complacent as we were, um, where they was at in life. And yet they were still going through the religious motions with the mindset, hey, I'm satisfying God. I'm complacent. I'm just doing my thing. 
even though evil around me is abounding and there's a lot of good that's not being done, I'm just doing my thing. I'm, I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm content. And by the way, I'll be religious as well. I'll do the things that's required of me. I'll do the burnt offerings. We'll do the festivals or so forth. And God looked at it and says, I hate it. I hate it because your heart's not in it. You're just going through the motions. You're being superficial. You're not real. God doesn't like that. They go, well, well aware of the verse of Revelations where God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Lukewarm spit you out. Be hot or cold. I imagine God has been saying that a long time in a, to the church in America and probably to many of us as individual Christians. Just be hot or cold. Be in the fight or don't be in the fight, but choose and go. Don't just stand there. Don't just get in the way. Don't just give my name a bad reputation because you call yourselves a Christian and people see you and they see your religious actions that you do but your heart's not sold out. You're not obeying what I tell you to do. You're not fighting that you're doing sin that I tell you to do. You're not fighting evil. You're not doing this good and helping others like I tell you to do. You're not a good representation of me. You're not representing me, although you try to act like it and you say you are. If you're going to call yourselves a Christian, be a Christian. Be a follower of Christ. And I think it's good to hear that. I think what made Christianity just way too easy. Come, say a prayer, get baptized, and then go on your life and just do the best you can. No, when you choose to be a Christian, you're dying to yourself. What does death look like? That means you're not continuing to be and do the same things that you've done before. You're different. You're, you die to yourself, but then you're raised to be different. God fills you with, your, with His Spirit, and you're different. You do what God tells you to do. You're busy exposing and casting out evil. I'm sure I'll take some criticism for my stance and my future endeavors of being involved in local things and getting books out of libraries and, and things like that. But if you read the Bible, pretty clear we are responsible for exposing and getting rid of the evil in our societies. It's our responsibility. And in fact, what happens to Israel, same thing that's happened to America. Put our head in the sand, we're complacent, we're in our bubble, we're in our safe zone. And then the evil, it starts. We don't get rid of it. We don't even look at it as danger. And then it grows and grows and grows and grows. Christians have been given a, a great calling. We have a great responsibility. Do you understand that? Do you carry that weight on you? Like, say you have a job and you're given certain, certain roles. What happens if that role doesn't get done? Then it affects other people as well. 
We have a responsibility. And when we don't take our responsibility seriously for God, we start seeing results. Look around, look at how weak our churches are, how immoral our country is. It's because we, as people who call ourselves Christians, we're not taking the responsibility, pushing it off to somebody else. Do you know how many hurting people are out there? I would dare say there's probably more hurting people today in America than I would dare say any, any time throughout history. It's not because of the environment. Great, great Depression, there's a lot of sad people then. But it's different now. There's a lot of hurting people because of sin that we have allowed to just flourish in our country. And they're hurting and they're looking and they're looking over here and they're looking to there. You know, we're picking on the drug cartels for bringing all the drugs in. But what is so sad is that we have so many people that are drawn to taking drugs. I used to work at a drug and alcohol rehab facility. People take drugs mainly because they're hurting. They're trying to cope. They're trying to, to medicate to help them with the pain that they have on the inside. We blame them, look at people and judge them maybe for their immoral lifestyles. There are lifestyles wrong, but when you get to know the people, you realize they're just hurting. They're just, they're just trying to find love. They're just trying to get attention because of the hurt and pain that they have and the emptiness they have on the inside. But guess what? We got the answer to that. We have the answer, and we, I would imagine, most of us in this building are living proof of that. Most of us, we were once wayward. We were once looking in the world, looking for uh, worldly things to satisfy us, and then God got a hold of us. We have a relationship with God, and now we're completely different. We've been sinners. We've been in sadness and depression, and we've been through these things, but now we have hope. So we have a great responsibility to tell others about this hope. It's not about whether you're called to be an evangelist or not. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not an extrovert person. I cannot but think of Charlie Flewellen. If I ever saw somebody who was just a natural uh, evangelist, soul saver, he could go up to anybody and just start talking to them. And then in about um, 30 seconds, he's your best friend. And then you can't get away from him without hearing about Jesus. Just natural. Natural. He made it so easy. And you, you see Charlie do it, and you're like, I can't even come close to doing what Charlie does. But most of us don't have natural abilities like that. Most of us aren't extroverted and enjoy doing things like that. So we're quiet. Don't want to cause a fuss with family members or co-workers. And we're not carrying on our responsibilities of telling people of the hope of Jesus Christ. We have a great calling. We have great responsibility. And if we don't come through on our responsibilities, there will be great consequences. If you don't believe me, just read the Old Testament. Especially the prophets. Keep reading through the prophets. Keep getting the same thing. They're getting judged for their actions. They were warned to stop. They were warned why they were getting punished. 
Um, but they still got punished. Question is today, are you complacent? You're at church today, so I know you're at least religious. I think even a lot of preachers are just going through the motions. Are you just going through the religious motions? Or are you serious about being completely sold out for God? That's what I think a Christian is. It's not add Christianity as a, a little segment of your life. It's no, you go all the way in for Christianity, for God. You either follow Jesus Christ or you do not. And when you follow Jesus Christ, you do what he tells you to do. It doesn't matter. He may tell you to stop doing your favorite sin. You don't have a choice. You do what you're told to do. He may tell you to tell others about Jesus Christ, to go visit people in prison and, and uh, go help the homeless. You may not feel comfortable doing that. You do what God tells you to do. You don't have a choice. You're just going through the religious motions. Stop it. See, I said it. I did it with a smile. Probably should be more forceful. If you are going through the religion, religious motions... You can't continue going that way. Stop it. Step up your plan, your game plan with God. You know, when you get into, uh, you need to set goals and you need to make, uh, to accomplish things, you're never going to get there unless you have goals. You're never going to get there unless you're intentional. One of the things that we're even going to focus more on at the school this year, which we have focused on in the past, is set, make kids set goals. Because you never get there unless you got an idea where you want to go. And I think when you set goals, you got to, uh, after a while, you got to look and see how much progress you made on those goals. Did I reach my goal? How far along am I in the goal? What do I need to do to change to reach the goal? There needs to be, as Christians, I feel like we need to be constantly pushing ourselves to be better. That's why I think of Joel Osteen's preaching and mine are a lot different. I think he wants you to walk away with being positive and encouraged, which isn't a bad thing, but he does that all the time. I think if I was looking at our country and our world and thought we were doing good, maybe God would give me more of those messages. But I feel like my job, my role, is to wake you up a little bit Look, we got work to do. We got things to do. You're not doing good. I'm not doing good. We can do better. Let's take a step in doing better. How can we do better? We can do better than what we're doing. Stop going through religious motions. I think when the, the lesson that you can learn that God wants us to, one of the lessons God wants you to learn from Amos is God will judge the complacent church. If you look at yourself and you, you realize that you're content, you feel secure, you feel safe, you're not putting yourself out there for God, then you're probably complacent. Don't be complacent. Don't just go through the motions. Be on fire for God. We hate when people criticize us or say negative things about us, but honestly, if the world isn't talking bad about you, you're probably not doing something right. 
Because the world and Christianity, they're like different. Your lives are going to be different. Your actions are going to be different. Your thoughts are going to be different. So if you're sold out for Jesus Christ, the world's going to look at you and think you're pretty weird. They should. But do they? Or are we just fitting in with the rest of the world? 